BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello, and welcome back to the Balanced Bond Podcast, Soul on Fire. I'm your host, Jordan Younger, and I'm so happy that you're here listening. If this is your first time listening to the show, welcome. You are in for a special episode full of information about living as a highly sensitive person and an empath with Kristen Schwartz from The Realized Empath on Instagram. We will get into how I found her, how excited I am to have her on in a moment. And if you've been listening to the show for a long time, welcome back. I'm so happy that you're here. I've spent the afternoon today reading through ratings and reviews of the podcast on iTunes because I'm hosting a giveaway with Nama Juicers that is actually running for a couple more days. You can still enter by rating and reviewing the podcast on iTunes, sending me a screenshot to Jordan and the Balance Bond. And also entering on Instagram by following Nama and following The Balanced Blonde. You guys know, if you listen to the podcast, I am huge into juicing. I juice every day, green juice mostly, especially in my pregnancy, but I also love making nut milks and all the amazing things that the Nama Juicer makes, including sorbets. So I'm really excited to be hosting this giveaway. It is technically a giveaway for my birthday, which was October 11th, but we like to extend and give you guys many weeks to enter because I know sometimes people are not in a place where they can enter. They're listening to the podcast while they're driving. Maybe you didn't listen to the podcast a couple weeks ago when I announced it. So now is your time. And my point in bringing this up in the first place is that I've been reading your ratings and reviews and I'm so happy. (laughs) Like my soul is so on fire, which is the whole point of this podcast. I've been beaming all afternoon, hearing about your stories and your spiritual journeys. Some of you have been here listening since I started the podcast in 2015, and others of you are much newer. Some of you wrote in, I just discovered the Balanced Blonde a couple weeks ago, and my life has changed discovering Joe Dispenza and spirituality and Pleiadians, and I feel so seen. And all of that makes me so happy because I've said this before, but doing a podcast and talking into the microphone at home, as I do, sometimes you forget who's on the other side. And no matter how big your podcast is or how long you've been doing it, you can forget that there's anyone on the other side. (laughs) I try to never forget, but it is just so helpful and heartwarming and special for me to hear about those of you listening and the experiences that you've had. So keep those ratings and reviews coming. They help so much with visibility on Apple. They also help 
combat the hate that comes through because of course there's negativity all the time, especially from people who are threatened by the light. And we're living in a time, a day and age where those of us who are living in the light, which I'm willing to bet is pretty much everyone listening to this episode, especially this episode with Kristen and those of you who listen to the podcast all the time, those of us who are living in the light, we have to stand up and we have to share our truth and we have to share the light loud and clear because a lot of stuff is happening in the world and we can't let our light be dimmed by fear or negativity. And that's something that I'm always working on is being the light in the face of the darkness and the uncertainty and everything else. So also when you rate and review the podcast on iTunes, you get a free yoga ebook, my soul on fire yoga ebook, which is 300 pages of yoga, all of my yoga story, yoga flows, so many different yoga flows that you can do at home. And that is a free gift as a thank you when you rate and review the podcast on iTunes and send me a screenshot to jordan at thebalancebond.com. So now let me tell you a little bit more about our guest today. We have Kristen Schwartz, Realized Empath, who I started following on Instagram after my good friend Jenna Zoe started posting her stuff on her Instagram stories. Kristen posts all about being an empath, as you could probably guess, and she talks all about what it's like to be a highly sensitive person, and she gives so many tips and tools and tricks for living in this world as an empath and also seeing it as a superpower because that's what it is. So I have learned so much from following her, from instilling boundaries to not being overwhelmed to kind of how the intuition and being an empath go hand in hand, how it can relate to past trauma and so much more. So I won't give away too much of our conversation, but I'm so excited to finally be having an official conversation about being an HSP, a highly sensitive person, ever since I learned that I was one many years ago, and I tell that story in the episode. You can also check out Kristen's brand new book, The Healed Empath, which is launching in January. And of course, follow her on Instagram, Realized Empath. So excited for you guys to listen to this one. And before we get into the episode, I would love to thank our sponsor for today's show, Sakara Life. I'm so obsessed with Sakara Life. I'm going to be ordering their plant-based meal delivery service when the baby comes for sure because I'm going to need all the help that I can get in the kitchen to eat my usual way, which is plant-based, colorful, healthy, delicious, not restrictive, just completely full of nourishment and full of so much nutrition and health. So I know that everybody listening wants to feel better about what you eat, but sometimes it's hard to prepare healthy meals that also taste good because we don't always have the time. We don't always know where to begin. So with Sakara, you can reach your health goals without sacrificing taste. Sakara is a nutrition company that focuses on overall wellness, starting with what you eat. They are women-owned, and the women who started Sakara have been on the podcast. I've known them from my days living in New York many years ago. 
when they first started Sakara. So it's been incredible to see their brand blow up and turn into what it is today. All of their meals are organic, plant-based, ready to eat, and made with powerful ingredients that are designed to boost your energy, improve your digestion, and get your skin glowing. Their menu of creative chef-crafted breakfast, lunches, and dinners changes weekly so you'll never get bored. It is all delivered fresh anywhere in the U.S. straight to your door. And they are not only a plant-based meal delivery service, they also have their daily wellness essentials like their supplements and their herbal teas to support all of your nutrition needs so you can experience the power of plants as medicine with their best-selling metabolism super powder, which you've probably seen all over my Instagram. It's made with organic raw cacao. It works to boost energy, eliminate bloating, minimize sugar cravings, and reduce fatigue. And right now, Sakara is offering our listeners 20% off of your first order when you go to sakara.com slash balanced or enter the code blonde20 at checkout. That's Sakara, S-A-K-A-R-A.com slash balanced to get 20% off your first order sakara.com slash balanced or simply use the code blonde20 now let's get into this episode with Kristen schwartz Okay, Kristen, I'm so happy that you're here. Thank you so much for coming on the show. If you could introduce yourself and tell our Soul on Fire listeners who you are, what you do, and also where you live, because I realize I don't even know where you're coming in from. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I am in Atlanta, Georgia right now. I've been here for about eight years. Um, I'm Kristen Schwartz. I, on Instagram, I am Realized Empath. So I am a mental health professional who uses coaching as a modality. And I work with uh, highly sensitive people and empaths. Um, In a previous life, I used my degrees and I was actual therapist, um, but I have since moved into the coaching realm so I can reach people across state lines and across borders. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. So how did you get into the highly sensitive people and empath space? And after you tell us, I'll tell you how I discovered that I'm a highly sensitive person and how that's impacted my life, which is why I'm so excited to talk to you. Yeah, absolutely. So I made the switch over to working with highly sensitive people and empaths about six years ago. It was during or just after I started what I call my dark night of the soul, like my spiritual awakening, life and trauma and overwhelm brought me to my knees. And through the beginning days of healing and just really um, asking the heavens to open up and show me what was going to actually loosen the grip of the pain, that's when the awareness started to come to me and through me, through books, through posts, through just the way it works. Sometimes when you're really looking for answers, I guess I was just open. And then I started to see little clues of like, well, wait, that's how I process the world. That's what I feel when I'm out and about. Um, And it kind of helped me dive into more self-awareness in terms of what the world feels like for me every single day and what it's felt like since I was a child. And then I started to do my own work in terms of separating my trauma responses from the everyday 
feeling that my body um, goes through when I'm around denser, darker energy. So my own journey brought me there. Yeah. And it started about six years ago. That's the best way to get into something I think is from your own journey, because then you feel so tied to it and so personally connected. Yeah. Um, Could you tell us a little bit more about your dark night of the soul? Sure. Um, I will say this. So I knew by the time I was in the eighth grade that I wanted to be a therapist. I thought a psychologist back then that curiosity, um, and drive sent me on the path to get my degrees early on, but I didn't really connect the dots until my dark night of the soul started. And that's when I kind of shifted my work. So early childhood trauma that wasn't truly addressed or handled, um, started when I was in the third grade, I was molested by my third grade teacher. And then there was chronic bullying that happened throughout my entire school year. So second grade through senior year, it was just nonstop. So you had, those were my, my anchor traumas. And then from there, the fear that built up within me, afraid of relationships, afraid of people, afraid of what the pain that I could potentially go through again, um, I was always walking on eggshells. And so I was always in the state of overwhelm and fight or flight and all of that just kind of accumulated. So six years ago, I just got to my breaking point where I could not hold any more pain. I'd done so many things. I'd gone to therapy. I'd meditated. I'd done everything you could possibly think of. And I could not get the relief. So I got to the point where I hit a wall where I was like, I cannot live the second half of my life in the amount of pain that I've been in. So I knew something needed to shift at that point. I didn't see any other out besides leaving the world and going to a spiritual plane. Um, Through meditation and my spiritual practice, I knew what it felt like to be in that space. And because I didn't understand what grounding was, I didn't feel safe in my own body. That's where I felt safe. I felt safe, detached. And that's six years ago is what I wanted. I just wanted an escape. So I went into meditation that afternoon. Um, It was probably about 11 a.m. And I did a prayer and I prayed that whatever was holding me back from healing what I needed to heal, um, that God would bring that forward, that the universe would bring that forward. Um, And by 3 p.m. that afternoon, I was rocking in the corner of the room. And what had happened and what continued to happen for the next year was every single thing that I had suppressed, repressed, not thought about, not addressed was coming, came to the surface. So I had to heal 40 years worth of pain in a year and a half. And it was extremely dark, but yeah, that's in the, in a short story. That's what the dark night of the soul for me. That's what it was. Wow. Yeah. How did you begin to heal from that space? It was extremely messy at first. All I can say is probably for the first six months, it was chaotic. Um, But there was also this, and I always, I still talk about to this day with my husband is there was this sense of deeper knowing the entire time to the outside world. And so my family, they were scared to death. It was like, wow, this, there's something wrong. They were reaching for things like 
um, you need to go to a psychiatrist, you need to be on medication. And I'm not saying that that doesn't work for people, but it does. But intuitively, I knew that this was not something that was wrong with me. There was nothing wrong with me. I was actually doing the right thing and I was processing it all. And the reason why it looks so scary is because at the stigma on mental health, that there's something wrong when you're processing something so heavy, you're supposed to feel this out of control and this devastated when you're processing the things that I was processing, the things that I had held down for so long. Like I had to look at in the face and feel the pain of my sister dying in front of me. I had to feel the pain of an eight-year-old little girl who did not feel safe going to school. Like I had to feel all of that. And it was going, it was very dense and very heavy. And so looking back on that time, it was a lot of kind of chasing my tail, like, um, and at the same time, trusting myself too. Like at first um, I was going to a therapist. I chose not to go on any medication because I knew I needed to feel fully I had a lot of support. I started um, dabbling in different like modalities. I was going to an acupuncturist. I was doing saunas. I was doing red light therapy. Um, I was also crying and screaming a lot. I was reading a whole bunch. I think what helped me the most is when I started, it started to lift a little bit. I started to dive into really understanding who I was and what my strengths were. For so long, I was so hyper-focused on my pain and my shortcomings that I really had no idea who I was under that. Like, what am I good at? Not what did I feel like I needed to do or what have I pushed myself to succeed in because I was trying to gain some sense of worthiness, but like, what am I really good at? So I did like the strength finder. Um, I've read tons of books. So it was just... It was brutal, but beautiful, scary, but also had that sense of peace too. So yeah, it's complicated. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. First of all, yeah. being a human is so complicated. And yeah. I completely feel everything that you said about just feeling so heavy with the pain that you would the only option was to feel like you wanted to go to that spiritual realm that you could connect to when you're meditating, mm -hmm. leave this earth. And I get it. I get it. Yeah. I have felt that way. I've had my dark night of the soul. I think I'm having another one. So I'm really happy that we're talking. Um, yeah. I can't wait for my husband to listen to this because every day he's just like, why do you feel the way you do? I'm like, because it is so hard mm -hmm. to be here and so beautiful and so <laughs> messy and yeah. complicated and there's so much good stuff happening right now but it's also so hard mm. and something I'm that I saw that I've, I've seen you talk about. I love your Instagram account, Realized Empath. Everybody yeah. listening to this podcast, you have to go follow her because it's just like daily wisdom and nuggets and stuff for us HSPs. Yeah. When I found out that I was a highly sensitive person, which we can get into, nobody knew what that was. And oh. when I talked about it on the podcast five years ago, when I first started, I was so happy to connect with so many people that said, I feel this way too. Yeah. And there were a couple books about it. Um, and I was just lucky to have a therapist here in LA who I had been seeing since college, who um, I 
I left, I left LA, went to New York, came back and saw him like three years later. And he said, Hey, I can actually help you so much more now because I've studied highly sensitive people and this is what you are. And now I get you and you know, all this stuff in a much deeper way. And that has been so helpful. It's Mm -hmm. also challenging because I think it's hard to be a highly sensitive person in this world. And then Mm -hmm. sometimes I think, are we all just highly sensitive people? And a lot of people have just turned that off because it's so painful. So all of that. And then what I was going to say was something I've seen you post about is how this pain can get stuck in our body and then become chronic pain, autoimmune conditions, physical pain. Mm -hmm. So I would love to hear you talk about that. Yeah. That was one of those moments, major aha moments for me when I was going into a trauma certification course. And um, when I was, when we were going over how unprocessed trauma or like our anchor traumas, right. That we don't address how the unprocessed emotions are actually stored in our bodies. And the longer those emotions stayed stored, right. uh, Energy has to go somewhere. It, It ends up breaking down our bodies in some way. So the CDC actually, um, did a study, which it's, if you want to go to, I think it's ACEs or you can Google like ACEs score. Um, but it is fascinating. So they, um, interviewed, they had, they did a study and they were tracking different, um, breakdowns in the body based on the traumas that people had gone through. So they ranked like the top They ask you like 10, 10 questions or more. I can't remember, but you're basically saying, okay, have you, did you witness abuse in your home? You know, yes or no. Um, Was there substance abuse in your home? Yes or no. And you go through that. And then it actually tells you the risk you have of these different ailments based on the trauma that you have gone through. And so there's actual science and data, but still when I post about that, it's amazing. I think I just posted about it last week. I did. I think I did three trauma posts, um, in a row last week. And there's still so many people that say, Oh my gosh, I had no idea that my trauma could be why I have this autoimmune disorder. Um, and there's so many people that are still thinking that they're broken and that, you know, why did this happen? And they feel in these, the space of um, disempowerment, but yeah, it's just stress and trauma and unprocessed emotions that just store in our bodies and end up breaking, breaking things down. Um, my adrenals, I've been nursing my adrenals for the past six years. I was diagnosed with adrenal failure around the time of my, (laughs) my dark night of the soul or my, you know, when I hit the wall where mine for many years, I was chasing symptoms. And depending on what doctor I went to, they would tell me something different. Oh, it's thyroid. Or I'd go to my gynecologist. Oh, it's hormones. Um, But, you know, adrenals, thyroid and hormones are all the endocrine system. And so it's my endocrine system that was affected. And so for many years I was, oh, you know, do this progesterone cream or here, take some thyroid medication. Um, But I would never feel like health, I would never feel okay. I would be tired or my hair would be falling out. Um, and it wasn't until I found a holistic MD that he was like, you're an adrenal failure. And then once we addressed that, and then the endocrine system as a whole, that I started, started to feel, wow, is this what it's supposed to feel like to have energy, to 
um, to not have handfuls of hair come out in the shower. Like I didn't know what that was like for many, many years. Um, yeah. And my adrenals failing was a direct, you know, response to being an overwhelm and stressed and unprocessed trauma for most of my life. Mm-hmm. That makes so much sense to me. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's hard to believe when you're in not much physical pain that it could come from stuff that's happened in your life or emotions that you can deal with. The book, The Body Keeps the Score is something that taught me a lot. And yeah. I've had so much like autoimmune stuff and Lyme disease and mold toxicity. And, and that's been like the last five years of my life. And it's so fascinating that when I'm feeling really good and I'm in a good space and I'm outside a lot and taking care of myself, I don't have that much pain. But when I'm stressed and there's other things going on, the pain is excruciating. And to me, it's so clear. There's such a link. Mm -hmm. Um, Plus the whole healing journey in itself. So there's a lot there, but I think that's incredible that you're talking about that and sharing that with people and helping people realize that there is a link and that we can heal. Yes, absolutely. That book is on my nightstand, by the way. It's so mine too. It's so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah it it's is. so good. So um are empaths always intuitives? Because I'm seeing you post often about like the correlation between the two. Are they always intuitive? We have it available to us. Um, but like I say, empaths don't hold the corner of the market in in anything. I mean, we're human beings, so a lot, what I find in my work is a lot of us, if we didn't know we were in past until later in life or highly sensitive people, and we live most of our life feeling so deeply in our bodies, a lot of us detach from our bodies because we're like, well, that's the, that's the place where I feel the pain. So we learn to kind of detach from our own energy, from our own bodies. And we're focusing on other people people's energy instead of our own. Um, so yes, it's available to us, but we have to return to our power. We have to return to our bodies, um, and we have to take good care of ourselves. So just like anybody else, if, you know, if you're not hydrated, if you're not sleeping well, if you're not, you know, if you're not living a life that limits the stress, then it's going to be more difficult to hear our bodies, little inner nudges, you know, pointing us in the right direction. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Okay, guys, let's talk about fitness because you know that one of my passions is making working out fun. I used to be a yoga instructor and yoga brings me so much joy. So whenever I find online yoga that I love, I get so happy because the truth is if you're dreading your workout, it's never going to make you feel the way that you want it to. A tool that has really helped me stay consistent and maintain a balanced routine is this amazing app called Obey Fitness, which is truly one of my favorite live and on-demand offerings out there. What I love the most about their platform form is so many things, but what I love the absolute most is their variety plus all of the joyful instructors. However, I'm feeling I can always find something that makes my mind and my body happy. Right now, I'm craving low to no impact classes because I am 
31 weeks pregnant. So I do their Pilates bar sculpt yoga and meditation offerings, but they have tons of super effective cardio and strength options as well. And they range from 10 minutes to an hour. So they fit into any schedule. As a mama-to-be, their extensive library of prenatal classes is perfect for me because it takes all of the guesswork out of exercising. And also, I only have energy for like 10 to 20 minutes of exercise at a time right now. So I like to just incorporate these into my day, middle of a work day, start stretching. I'll do a prenatal one. I'll do some meditation. And then sometimes I'm inspired to do even more and it just feels so good. So of course we have a special deal for you to see if it's a fit for you and your style of exercise. You can use the code balanced to get one month free at obeyfitness.com. That's obefitness.com, code balanced to get one month free. And of course, you can find that link in the show notes. Enjoy. And now let's get into this episode with Kristen. And then a topic that I think is so pertinent for everyone right now is boundaries, setting boundaries, especially as a highly sensitive person. What are your tips? How can we do this? Oh my goodness. That's such a huge one. Um, and I just, my podcast this week was just on this topic. How do we do this? If we haven't, if if boundaries weren't modeled to us and it's not something that we are used to doing, we, we navigate that very cautiously and tenderly with a lot of compassion. Um, especially if, um, as someone who feels so much, we have learned to people please or fawn as a way to manage their feelings so we feel better. In that case, if you're more of a people pleaser, boundaries can almost be a trigger and actually put you in a state of fight or flight because you think if I set boundaries with this person and you're used to people pleasing, you can feel like you're going to lose love. You can feel like you're going to be rejected and shunned. So it can set you in... Um, you know, a state of fear. So be self-aware what comes up for you, um, move with, you know, caution. And I also say this, if you're at the place where you're like, you know what, I'm ready. I want to set boundaries now, but I don't quite know what boundaries I need or with whom I always say, do the resentment test, like make a list of all the resentments you hold into whom. And usually those resentments will lead back to boundaries that should have been set a long time ago. And then like, I always give this example. So let's say, um, my sister comes over and she has really young kids and my kids are older and she doesn't have rules for her younger kids. And one day she has one of her kids throws a big truck down my wooden stairs and like cracks, you know, the wood of my floor. Now, if I don't say anything in that moment, but in my head, I'm thinking things like, why wouldn't she set, why wouldn't she tell her child no? Or, um, and I'm making her wrong and then building the resentment From that point forward, every time she does something similar to that, I'm just going to add more story to say, see, she is irresponsible. See, she is this. And so resentment builds and builds and builds over time. And then eventually it breaks down the relationship where if you set that boundary that very first day, then your relationships can thrive. And you're basically just telling it a boundary is not about making the other person wrong. The boundary is about knowing who you are fully and loving yourself and being like, okay, this is where you end and I begin. So either the resentment test is a good one to see what relationships need it to, to kind of like, um, clear the waters out. 
Um, and then also do it, you know, cautiously and be, um, you know, have some grace with yourself because it can be really hard at first. Definitely. Yes. Especially to get out of that people pleasing nature that so many of us struggle with. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And you have to know where, what your boundaries are. Like some people don't even know, like, okay, so if I go visit my in-laws, how long can I stay until I actually start to feel drained? Like, are you aware of your own energy limits? Do you have boundaries with yourself for yourself? Mm -hmm. I want to go to this party, but I'm only going to stay for two hours. Are you willing to set that boundary for yourself and then follow through? So also check like, how are your boundaries with yourself? And so you can start there. And then once you're comfortable with, okay, this is who I am. This is what I need. And this is what I'm willing to do to take care of myself. Then you can move naturally into setting boundaries with other people too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a very good tip. I think it can be really messy at first to start setting boundaries when you have not really done that so much before. But I also think it's so powerful because it shows you who in your life respects those boundaries and that person who you're stepping into. That's Mm -hmm. something that I would say this year has taught me a lot of, plus just like all of adulthood, but especially this year, because I've been, I've been really instilling those boundaries. And you see, I think people are sometimes very uncomfortable with someone who's changing or someone who's Mm -hmm. evolving. So what are your tips then to deal with that? Because I think, um, yeah, it can be easy then to fall back into the people pleasing. Be like, oh, no, no, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have set that boundary. I should just keep sure. this person happy. Mm-hmm. Um, tips are to, again, be super gentle with yourself. And when fear rears its head and starts to ca- talk you out of it, um, you have to soothe yourself. Witness what comes up for you. Like, what am I afraid of right here? What pattern of thought is happening right now? Um, and, and it can help too. And this is what I did at the beginning. It really did help me to have some scripts to like take some boundary setting scripts and even some enforcement scripts and kind of like mold them into your specific situation. So you know what it sounds like. What does it sound like to set a boundary? What does it sound like to enforce a boundary? And then what's going to come up, whether it be fear or, um, you know, oh no, I feel like they're, they're going to be mad at me or, you know, I'm going to hurt their feelings or whatever. That's just an invitation to go deeper into healing. So that can be a beautiful thing. Like, oh, okay. I see now that I am really afraid of rejection. Um, and this is what my mind tells me about that. Um, so that's like an invitation to go deeper. But yeah, it's, it's mostly just witnessing what comes up and the scripts were really helpful for me when I first started out. And where do you find a script? <laughs> okay, yeah, I have some, I have listed some on my website. Um, I know I have like two or three posts that have boundary setting scripts, boundary enforcement scripts. And I can't remember, did I do, I may have a def- another post too around scripts, but I know I have at least two. So you can go on my Instagram, You can also like uh, do a Google search, a web search, and there's all kinds of amazing like blogs and articles that talk about different scripts. But for instance, I know that I need to set a boundary with my mom many years ago. And in my family, I came from a family of four sisters and there was this triangulation pattern that happened throughout um, our lives where it would be 
my mom talking to one sister about the other sister. And, and, you know, so I had, when I first started to embark on healing and really like looking at all the patterns of behaviors that weren't helpful, that I was a part in, I went to lunch with my mom one time and I knew that I needed to set a boundary from this point forward. I'm not comfortable having any discussions about my sisters. And so I still remember to this day, like sitting down, being so nervous um, because I knew that she it would hurt her. Like she would say, oh no, you know, like she's doing something wrong. And I knew this was such a deep pattern that had been going on for so long that I did have to enforce it a few times after that day. And another thing you have to remember is when you're setting a boundary with someone who you've been in a relationship for a long period of time, this isn't just about you changing. You're asking someone else to alter how they show up in a pattern. So you have to give them some grace and allow them to have some space to um, go through some hiccups and just kind of like course correct. Um, So yeah, I would. So then my follow-up, what I learned, like what I wrote out for the script was like, Remember when we talked about, I wasn't comfortable talking about uh, my sisters. So let's talk about something different. So I knew in my head, if this happened, what, what I could say. And it just kind of soothed my fear a little bit to almost like, um, rehearse. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. And how has that gone? Is that like a respected boundary now in your family? It is. It is. Yeah. That's so great. Yeah, it is. I was lucky. I'm, I'm lucky to have family that now it wasn't all like bells and whistles. (laughs) There were definitely some bumpy moments in it all, but everyone was willing to do what they needed to do for, you know, us to show up healthy, healthier for each other. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's so great. I love that so much. Yeah. So protecting our energy is another topic I wanted to talk to you about. I think it can be so hard for the more sensitive you are to protect your energy and also recognize when you're soaking in someone else's energy or unable to determine if it's someone else's feeling or what you're feeling. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. That's a huge one. So, um, this is what I believe. This is what's worked for me. And in my practice, what I help others with is I believe as a highly sensitive person or an empath, there is reactive energy care, meaning, Hey, I just went to the grocery store and I'm, you know, in this line with this woman, she's yelling and you can feel the energy right away. And so you need to manage something in the moment. And then you have pro uh, proactive where, Um, you're basically living a life of healing and releasing and letting go every single day. So I say you are unlike 80% of the population. Therefore you need to live unlike 80% of the population. So we take in new energy every day, but a lot of us come to the table with a backpack full of stuff that we've been collecting for many, many years. So there's this ongoing work of healing of unpacking that backpack and handling the stuff from the past and kind of like letting that go. But then you also have the day-to-day stuff that we're going to take in automatically. So you have two things going on at once. Um, The reactive stuff, I will say my top two. Now, early on, when I first started to learn to protect my energy, I did a lot of visualizations, um, shielding my energy through imagining um, like, energy around me as like a bubble, um, where now I do more things like if I'm with someone, let's say you and I are out to lunch 
and you're telling me a story, um, something that happened at work that was really intense and you're really passionate about your emotions or feel very passionate. And it's almost like there's anger and uh, maybe some resentment and some anxiety. And I'm starting to feel that within my body as you're expressing yourself. Instead of shutting you down or saying, gosh, you need to check your energy. What I'll do is I just need to separate and see the difference, the differences between you and I. So I'll say something like you're wearing a gray in my mind. You're wearing a gray shirt today. I'm wearing a yellow dress. You have blue eyes. I have green eyes. And I'll just say that in my mind's um, quietly to myself until I can feel my energy shift back where I'm more aligned with what I was feeling before our lunch date and your energy is still with you. Another thing that I'll do is, and I learned this from Eckhart Tolle years, years ago, um, is I will feel the energy in the palms of my hands when I am in conversation, when I'm, I mean, I never go to the mall because it's just way too many people, but let's, let me say someplace else, airport, same with airport. Um, and I'm starting to feel the effects of different energies. Um, I will bring my attention back to my own energy field, knowing that like, if I'm at the airport and I'm walking around and I sense something and I know that it, it's not mine, then there's no reason for me to hold it. So then I'll just bring my attention back to my own energy field. And I do that by focusing on the energy in the palms of my hands. Another great way to stay like conscious and holding space for someone else when they're, um, when they're speaking to you. Yeah. So those are. Those are two little tricks that I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Those sound yeah. so helpful. That sounds yeah. like things that I should be really instilling because that just speaks to me sitting with someone, having them speak to you super passionately. And then so I will start to feel that way. Mm-hmm. They're talking mm-hmm. about something that makes them really angry. I start to feel that, or I start to feel very anxious. Like I'm going to start yeah. to feel that way. So those are some very, very good tips. Yeah. Yeah. I'll also say like, you can um, imagine there's a hollow tube that kind of passes right through your solar plexus where you're witnessing what they're feeling and you just kind of see it in your mind's eye just pass right through you. Mm -hmm. Right. Cause we don't need to keep anything that we're witnessing from someone else. We don't, as soon as we take it in and then we start to add thought to it, we're making it ours. It's now our energy. So it's just like witness without adding thought and then just let it pass through you. Mm-hmm. I like that. And something that you said that stuck out to me was we are unlike 80% of the population. So we have to live differently than 80% of the population. That's right. an easy part for me to forget because I often feel like, doesn't everyone feel this way? Although I know they don't, I really know they don't, but yeah. it just surprises me, I guess, mm-hmm. to this day. Yeah. I know. I mean, I remember I talk about this in my book, but when I was younger, I equated to like, I was walking around noticing all these things and then like pointing and going, are you guys getting this? Is anyone else? And then you realize nobody else is getting it. Like, in fact, not only are they not getting it, but they're like, what is your deal? So eventually I internalized that and equated to, but there's something wrong with me then if mm-hmm. most of these people aren't noticing, picking up or feeling what I'm feeling. Yeah. Yeah. There are people out there that do. <laughs> There's oh, just for sure. Good for sure. Of, yeah. Yes. This community, a lot of the people who listen to this podcast, yeah. not all, but maybe a good percentage of them feel that way. And that has helped yep. me feel so much less alone. And it's, yeah, it's a very interesting thing. And something mm-hmm. that I saw on your website that I loved was you wrote that you're an introvert who's no longer pretending to be an extrovert. 
Yeah. And that speaks to me. Yep. Yep. Oh man. Yeah. I was one of those people that, and it's still a trauma response that I have, I very mindful of, but I thought if I could somehow perform enough, create enough, do enough, you know, that I would somehow arrive at this place of worthiness. And I learned through feedback, you know, toxic feedback, but back then I didn't realize that, that when I sat quietly, I would get the questions in the eye, why are you quiet? Or if I wanted to leave early, um, there was this level of shame. So it didn't feel safe or accepted to be sitting back quietly, taking care of my needs that, and being an introvert. So here's the interesting thing about introverts and extroverts is like extroverts get their needs met no matter what, you know what I'm saying? Like if, if we go out to the grocery store, like an extrovert and, and talks to someone, like they're getting their needs met where an introvert goes to the grocery store and people try to talk to them, like they're getting drained. So it's where the introverts needs are met in ways where society doesn't really celebrate those. Like it's more seen as something negative, like, mm-hmm. you know, quiet time or isolation and or conscious isolation, not like, you know, a coping mechanism isolation, but yeah, where like, if you're in a relationship, the introvert wants to stay home, but the extrovert wants to go out. But if the extrovert goes out, they may feel guilty that they're leaving the introvert at home where the introvert might feel like they're being abandoned if the extrovert goes out. So it's so complicated, really. It can be for a lot of people when the differences between the needs of an extrovert and an introvert, like yeah. we get our dopamine hits differently. We get we ours from like quiet and one or two friends, you know, where an extrovert needs, you know, a lot more busyness. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, do you know about human design? I very little, but I know enough. Do you know like what your human design is? I don't. Okay. Because I think that would be so interesting to know. I learned a few years ago that I'm a reflector and reflectors are 1% of the population. There's five yeah. different types in human design. We require a lot of alone time. Yep. Um, best to be with other people for like two to three hours a day, which was shocking to me. Incredible permission opened up after that to know that two to three hours a day, I can enjoy other people. And I really do. And then it's best to really be alone and Mm -hmm. read and work on my business and cook and just do all the things that I love to do. Yep. And there's a lot of other things that go along with being a reflector and that go along with being each type. I would be so curious to know if you are maybe a projector or a reflector, yeah. which are those two types that are the non-energy beings. Right. But then again, I'm sure there are a ton of the other three types as well that are so is also- Is that the one where it's four inverted. letters? Like four um, letters? Or is no, that so that's the um, Myers-Briggs. Okay, yeah. I but yeah. One. Yeah. Yeah, And that one, you know, is like the ENFJ. I think I actually came out to be an extrovert extrovert on that test. And that's what I'm always interested. I'm not even sure if I'm a true introvert. I know that I'm a true reflector. And so there are, it's not all about the labels all the time, but all of these things have helped me realize who I am just as like a very nuanced 
complex person. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you might you might like looking into human design at some yeah, point. I think I would. And that's really what it's about. You just said is it's like take information in and keep what works for you and let the rest go. You know, when mm. empath really is just a label. And I've said this many times on my platform is it's just a label for how we experience the world. And sometimes you'll have a post and you'll go, oh my gosh, that's me. And then other times, you know, people will comment and go, well, why isn't this added? Or, well, that's not true for me and take that away or whatever. And it's just, it's okay. <laughs> just take mm -hmm. what works and leave the rest. Um, there's never going to be this perfect example of every single one of us. I mean, I think there's just as many possibilities as there are people in the world. You know, we're all so Of unique. course, of course. I know yeah. that's the other really interesting thing. And that's just such <laughs> a social media thing of this yeah. way of, I cannot even fathom someone getting offended over your posts, but I was looking through your post today and I saw someone wrote something, oh, empaths are just narcissists and all this stuff. And you had the best response, which was, I hope that you get the love that you deserve, you know, or that you're, that you're crying out for. Um, yeah. Use that response next time. You know, sometimes I'll just delete the comments, but I left that one up specifically because I, okay. So here's the thing. Oh, total honesty. Six years ago, I wouldn't have been able to comment back like that. Six years ago, I would have been like, excuse me, right? And I would have took it offensively and then thought I needed to battle back and forth. Mm -hmm. But over the years, I've grown in such self-awareness of like, I am really confident in who I am. And, and I feel very secure in terms of the foundation that I'm standing on. So that person's point of view or opinion does not mean anything about me. Um, and sometimes even just having a discussion with someone who's coming off that way, it's, there really is no point, right? Because the comment, I know what comment you were talking about. You can tell in the tone of what they're writing, whether they're open for conversation or they're just wanting to kind of throw up their dark stuff on you. <laughs> I think that was one of those instances where I was like, yeah, I wish you the healing that your uh, post or your comment is really crying for. And I, yeah, that's exactly that's what, what I, you said. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I know that's such a, such an important thing for all, for all of us to remember as we live on this online world yeah. um, and also in the real world, thank goodness. But so much yeah. of so many of our lives happens online mm -hmm. and it's so important to remember and as a blogger, podcaster, highly sensitive person, I have really had to learn that. Mm -hmm. And it's hard. It's hard to have someone <clears throat> judge you. And sometimes the comments are so mean. But like you said, it's it really, it's all about the person who's writing the comment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I get a lot, there's a lot of people and I'm, I'm sure, you know what, I've done this too in my life. But where we think that if we see things a certain way, that everyone else is supposed to have that same perspective. And if they don't have that th same perspective, then that must mean that we're wrong in some way. And so we go to fight, but it's like, no, everybody has their own perspective and reality based on the life that they've lived and the pain that they've been through and the trauma they're still holding. And, and I really do believe that no matter where anybody's at in their life and how much pain they're putting out in the world, 
eventually they'll get where they need to go. Like I really believe we're all on the same path. I mean, that's what boundaries are for. They're, they're there. So everyone can be where they're at in their trauma, offloading, whatever they need to offload. But if our boundaries are strong, then uh, that give that gives space for us all to show up, you know, how we are and where we are today. Okay, guys, I want to talk to you all about BASE, which is this amazing app and at-home lab testing that I have found to help you improve your diet, sleep, stress, and fatigue. It is totally affordable and completely done at home. You can find all the answers that you're looking for about your health and get recommendations straight from the app. So you guys know I've had a lot of health concerns and health issues in my day. And it sucks to go to a lab, especially in this day and age that we're living in, and sit there, wait to get your blood drawn, and then wait to get the results, and then go back to the doctor's office to get those results so you can eliminate all of that difficult, not fun part of the process and just do the lab testing at home. So I did some lab testing with BASE. I received so much information about my health. I decided to do their cortisol panel, their libido panel, and their thyroid hormone panel. So I did both saliva and a blood test. It was super easy, and I got my results straight into my base app. My results were pretty good. If you guys have been following the journey, then you probably know my cortisol was an 89%. My libido was an 80% with some recommendations for making it even better. And my thyroid hormones were 75%, except for my T3 hormone, which was quite low. And when you have low T3, that can mean that you have a higher risk of weight gain, decreased libido, and spikes of anxiety. It can also increase chances of hypothyroidism. So it's really important to get it under control. So I met with one of the amazing people from BASE to go over my results, and they shared with me a bunch of different things that I could do to improve my health, especially my T3, which was to include more selenium and more zinc in my diet, as well as a handful of other supplements that I could take. And of course, I'm pregnant right now, so I can't take all of the fun herbs and different things that they recommend, but I have been able to do the food element of it and the supplement element of it. And I have to say, I am feeling really good. So I am such a fan of base. I recommend it to absolutely everyone. And of course I have a very special deal for you. And of course, yes, because I know a lot of people are wondering, I had my family do this. I had my mom and dad do this as well as Jonathan and anyone who is just struggling to know what's going on with their hormones or their sleep or their diet or their libido, you've got to check out BASE. So we do have this special offer for you, and the special offer is the code BLONDE will get you a big discount, 20% off of all things BASE. So go to get-base.com, code BLONDE, to apply that discount code and let me know what you think when you try tag me on your instagram stories i want to hear everything and with that let's get back into this episode with Kristen schwartz so what are some things that highly sensitive people can do every day to take care of themselves like in their daily routine yeah So a stillness is obviously very important, having moments of silence. And 
when I say that, I don't want people to get this idea that somehow they're supposed to wrestle their mind where their thoughts are completely gone. That can be um, an impossible task sometimes. So when I say stillness or even meditation, just it's almost like just witnessing your thoughts and using it as a tool to build resilience, kind of training your your awareness to be able to see the thoughts that come up and just kind of watch them pass through. Same thing when we're talking about energy, right? We want to build the resilience and which allows us to witness the energy and feel what we feel and let it pass through. So we can use meditation as a way to build that resilience. Another great way to build resilience in terms of, let's say you're really heavily affected by people's emotions and feelings and you want a way to, you know, not be so heavily affected. Another thing that I've used is cold therapy. Now, another reason why this was really helpful for me is because I spent so much of my life in fight or flight that I needed a way to put myself safely in a safe environment where my body was physically responding like it would be in fight or flight. So when I take a cold shower or I get into a really cold lake, my body, our bodies respond the same way. Like our breathing really quickens, um, our heart rate goes up, we're like, you know, we're gasping for air. Um, And so I would do that each morning to help and build confidence that I can soothe my nervous system back to calm when I'm overwhelmed. I say that cultivate joy and follow your curiosity. So if you're interested in different modalities, go for it. And as you grow and evolve and heal, if you feel called to try something else, then do that. It's not like a one size fits all thing. Like we said, we're all unique. And each of our recipes in terms of what's going to work for us is going to be different, but stillness journaling is huge. Express your spirit in a way that when energy or feelings or awareness comes up around a certain pattern. If you are journaling every single day in a way where you just let your creative juices flow, um, it really helps to process Mm -hmm. what comes up. So journaling is a regular thing for me, stillness and meditation. I ground every single day and that can be done, um, you know, walking on the earth, but you can also ground through visualizations Um, like I'm on the second floor, but if I put my feet on the floor and I visualize cords of energy coming out the bottom of my feet and going down through my house and actually connecting to the dirt and then allowing the energy to escape that way. Um, I do breathing every day and because I do have such a nervous or a sensitive nervous system. I do a lot of dancing and wet noodling, like right before we got on our call. um, Naturally, when I get, it could be excitement or it can be nerves or whatever. My body reacts the same way. And it's this, it's like fight or flight where my heart rate and then my voice gets jittery and I start to shake. And so I shook my body and danced around for like a couple minutes before I got on the call to naturally help the energy move that wanted to move where if I were to just get on the call before doing that without doing it, it would have affected the interview the entire time because my mind was aware of what my body was doing. And then I would like psych myself out. Well, this isn't going to be good. You're listening to your voice, you know? So I do that a lot too. Mm, That's such a good tip. Energy. Yeah. Yes. I need to do more of that for sure. Mm -hmm. And just, yes, like save more time for that kind of stuff too. Yep. 
Absolutely. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. So in your coaching sessions that you do with people, what does a typical session look like? What kind of things come up? Yeah. So I do our sessions before the session. I always send a questionnaire out to my clients. Um, and I ask three specific questions so we can narrow down what they want to discuss. And so it depends on the clients. I'll have some that specifically want to talk about trauma and how that shows up in their life. And I have a lot of clients that want to know, um, how they can lessen the effects of other people's emotions and feelings. So yeah, it just depends on the person. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. And you wrote a book, The Healed Empath, recently came out. Tell us about the process of writing that book. Yeah, that it's been amazing. I think it was July. Yeah, July of 2020. um, I got a phone call, an email, one of the two from a publicist. And when I first got the email, I was like, this isn't real. Like, this isn't real. This is someone joking around with me, Uh, but they were reaching out to me. They had found me and they wanted to know if I'd be interested in writing a book. So long story short, um, had a phone call, signed a book contract. I turned my manuscript in, I think I had five months to write my manuscript, which was incredibly therapeutic and healing and scary and amazing. So it's in pre-sales right now all over the country and it hits stores January 11th. So the book follows suit with my programs and what I teach within my practice, but it also goes into my own personal story of tragedy and triumph and discovery of being a highly sensitive person and what that means and what it means to me now um, in terms of where I was and where I am. So yeah, it was an amazing, amazing process and I'm really excited. I can't wait to read it. January 11th, that's a good day. Lots of good One, one. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Yeah, I'm really, really excited. It seems like it's been, I don't know, you know how when it just, it's been a long time since July of 2020, but at the same time, I'm like, I cannot believe we're at the end of September. I know. And like, I'm almost, you know, we're almost there where it's going to be actually in stores. I'm still waiting to get my first physical copy mailed to me so I can like have it in my hands. Like I'm really getting excited to hold it. Yes. That's going to be such an amazing moment. And I know what you mean. This year is flying by. Well, it's gone both slow and fast for me, but realizing that it's almost October. And when this episode comes out, it will be October and I'm having a baby and your book baby is coming out all around the same time. Like that time is so soon. It's pretty amazing. Yes. And with kids, it's like, once you get through September and then October hits, it's like that. And it's new year's because Mm -hmm. for kids, it's like Halloween and then Thanksgiving and then the holidays. And so it's just like this whirlwind of (laughs) four months. You're like, where did it go? Totally. It's my favorite time of year. We're heading into my favorite season, Mm -hmm. fall. I'm so excited that it's here. Mine too. My absolute favorite. My house is decked in like, I have so much fall stuff. It's crazy. I need to do that. It's so fun. I love it. So cool. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I want to ask you the, the rapid fire questions that I ask everyone who comes on the show. Okay. Um, do you know your sun rising and moon signs? No. I don't. When, when's your birthday? 
September 22nd. I'm a Virgo. Oh my God. Your birthday's right on the tomorrow. Cusp. Yeah. My birthday's tomorrow. Oh my God. Happy almost birthday. Thank you. Yeah. I have a special person in my life. My nanny who raised me. That's her birthday. Oh. And oh, yeah, you're a Virgo. Libra. Mm-hmm. Cusp. Yep. Pretty much. Yep. But I technically am. a Virgo. Yeah. Yeah. Do you resonate with being a Virgo? Yeah, I do. My daughter is really into science and she'll play. She's like, she has a special app where she'll like play us our, you know, our science stuff. Very uh-huh. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's totally me. Yeah. What's yep. your daughter's sign? She is an Aquarius. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yep. She's an air sign. Yeah. Yep. That's so yep. great. Yeah. Who is your inspiration? Oh my gosh. That's an amazing question. Who is my inspiration? I know who my fashion inspiration is. That was Jennifer Aniston. Love it. Yeah. I love the way she dresses and always have. My business inspiration, my life inspiration. Oh my, that's such a good question. I should. Okay. It can be anything. It can be life inspiration, business inspiration, someone in your family. Mm, I'm inspired by so much. Mm-hmm. I do want to say I have thoroughly enjoyed watching um, the holistic psychologist go through um, building her business. It's been and watching what she's gone through over the last few years. That's been really inspiring to me. Um, also, Marie Forleo is inspiring to me. Yeah, I, I really like both of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I just went down kind of a rabbit hole with the holistic psychologist and was listening to her podcast and just learning about so many things for the first time yeah. through her. So mm-hmm. yeah. 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 It's been pretty cool. And I think what I've been most inspired by is during 2020, watching her receive a lot of blowback in the medical community. Um, and watching how she handled that was inspiring to me, like, Mm -hmm. because that's her, you know, that's the route that she took in terms of her education. And she is a psychiatrist, but she's kind of ventured off into a more holistic approach. And so, um, watching her stand firm and what she believed was a right path for her was inspiring to me. Mm -hmm. That inspires me too, more than anything, Mm -hmm. people who know what they believe in and go after it and stand up with, for what they believe in, no matter how divisive and judgmental our world has become, unfortunately. And I think there definitely need to be a lot more people like that who are brave to mm-hmm. speak up. I agree. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a great answer. Are you a night person or a morning person? I'm a, <laughs> can I be neither? Yes. You can definitely be needed yeah, because I have to have a specific amount of sleep. Like I can't have less than nine hours of sleep a night or I'm nauseous. Like my body actually physically responds. Like I went on a bender. Like I feel um, that way right now. I was up all night because of the full moon, not to blame it on the full moon, but I was truly awake all night. I feel so nauseous and like dizzy. And if I were mm-hmm. talking to anyone, but 
the realized empath, I probably would have just like had to push this today, but I knew that we'd be talking about stuff that is along these lines. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and I'm not saying this because, you know, I'm in my forties and I need more sleep or whatever, but like 10 o'clock comes around and I'm like, okay, where's my bed? And every morning my husband comes in at like 840 and has to wake me up. And if he didn't wake me up at 840, I would sleep till probably 10 AM every day. So I'm not a morning person and I'm not really a night person either. Although I like my nights, like I like staying up and like hanging out. So I guess I like nights better than mornings, early mornings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I totally get that. Coffee or tea? Coffee, but it has to be low caffeine, mold-free, sensitive on my stomach. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Specific coffee. Do you have a brand? I have a... I have a caffeine sensitivity. So Mm -hmm. yeah. Do you have a brand that you like? I think it's called Kona. Oh, I have that one. Yeah. 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 Very good. Or Kion. Is it Kion or? It's Kion. There it is. It's Kion. Oh, wow. But I knew exactly what you meant. Yes. 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 yes, I use that one too. If you were a color, (laughs) what color best represents your energy? I have to say orange. That's my favorite color. And also when I think about it, it does represent my, my energy because I'm a highly sensitive person, but also I, I was forged through trauma. So I can be scrappy when I need to be, and I can be scrappy when I don't take care of myself. So at times my energy can be a little bit spunky. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think orange is not quite red but then it's not like a pale yellow either. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like yeah. that. Um, so since this is the soul on fire podcast, what sets mm-hmm. your soul on fire? Travel. Travel sets my soul on fire. Traveling to, we leave in a week and a half to go to Alaska. The places that light my soul on fire are open nature, like Iceland, Ireland, I haven't been to Alaska yet, so I'm super excited, but travel sets my soul on fire. Freedom is like my most desired feeling. Like I want to feel free. So mm-hmm. beautiful. Yeah. That's yeah. Be so 2020 was hard for me. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> like, yeah. So we did road trips, but still like, mm-hmm. I know it's very hard to be mm-hmm. stuck. Yep. To feel that way. And what's on the horizon for you and your business and all things realized empath? Yeah. What is on the horizon? I'm getting ready to launch a membership program where I'm texting people multiple times a week and they have access to special content and trainings and special guests. So I'm getting ready to launch that. Um, I have my course that I do um, every, probably about every six weeks. Um, I'm getting ready to do another one starting October 16th. And I know after this experience in terms of writing this book that I want to write another one. So I'm hoping I'll dive into that probably latter 2022. Yeah. And I see that also in the horizon is me getting even better at managing my time and scheduling downtime. Cause as the months go by, my schedule is getting tighter and tighter. And I can also feel my body getting tighter and tighter in terms of, you know, needing a little bit of freedom. So yeah, I have to get better at scheduling down days and downtime. Yeah. That sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. 
Well, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. It was so fun to learn from you and to talk to you about this topic that has surrounded my podcast for so long, but we have never dedicated an episode to us empaths and highly sensitive people. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's been amazing. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode with Kristen Schwartz of Realized Empath. I learned so much from her in this episode. It was so special. I felt that we recorded this the day before her birthday. And for once, for the first time in a while, I was actually quite ahead on my episode. So this is coming out about a month later. And just pray for me that I can continue to stay ahead as I continue to move along in my pregnancy. Like I said earlier, I'm 31 weeks now. Actually, by the time this comes out, I'll be closer to 32. And time is flying. This was such a special conversation because I have been dying to talk about highly sensitive people with someone who's an expert on the subject for a long time because I live in this world as a highly sensitive person and also as an empath. And I know sometimes in the past that has made me feel weak or it has made me feel different from everyone or like I just couldn't withstand the same type of environment and negativity and different things that everybody, everyone else could. But now I do see being an empath as a superpower and I want you guys to see it that way too. So definitely check out Kristen's new book, The Healed Empath. Follow her on Instagram at Realized Empath and let us know what you thought of this episode. Leave a rating and review on iTunes to enter the Nama Juicer giveaway and also to receive a copy of my free Soul on Fire yoga ebook. Just screenshot that rating and review and send it to me at jordanatthebalancewand.com. Also, thank you to our incredible sponsors, Sakara Life, the best plant-based meal delivery service out there, to Obey Fitness, my favorite platform for working out online right now, and also to Base, the incredible at-home lab testing that is revolutionizing how we look at our health and how easy it can be to get the answers that we deserve. So head to the show notes as always to get all of those discount codes and links. And when you do check out those brands, using those discount codes and those links really helps to support the show, which helps me keep bringing you content. Most of that content is always free and it is really, really nice to be able to just talk about the things that I'm passionate about and share all of the magic with you guys. We have two more months of episodes before I go on maternity leave. We're still looking at exactly what that's going to look like. We talked about Jonathan taking over, which he's definitely going to do, but I also kind of want him to take time off too. So we're just going to see what it looks like. Even my mom and dad said, oh, we'll take over for some episodes. So I think we'll have some fun stuff up our sleeves, but regardless, no matter what happens, I do know I'm very excited to talk to you guys for the next two months with amazing guests and with solo episodes. So keep sending in your requests. You can send them on email. You can send them on Instagram. I love you guys. Have a soul on fire day and we'll talk soon.